I want to talk to you tonight about real presence versus manufactured presence. And um, I'm, I will say this, I taught a Bible lesson very similar to this back in 2013, I think it was. And um, my computer told me I already had something in there about the presence of the Lord. And um, so I went back and started looking and I found these notes and I said, well, I'm just going to readapt. And uh, so I'm going to give you, and so if you've got it in the margin of your Bible, and a lot of times my wife will tell me, you preach something similar to that on such and such date and because and she writes in her Bible sometimes and some of you have told me that too Sister Evelyn Riddick was one of those she would say now I've got a note right here in my Bible where you preach you use the same scripture and you talk from this angle I said sister I've used a lot of scriptures over and over again and I will continue to use those scriptures over and over again and uh, she wasn't trying to correct me she was just telling me I'd spoken from that so this is kind of something similar to that but I guarantee you it's not the same crowd tonight that we had in 2013 let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, let's go to verse 19 we'll start there it says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus this whole passage is just a rich Passage. It goes along with that chorus that we were talking, that we were singing just a minute ago. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a, an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Before I move on to the rest of that this this passage that I'm reading from tonight, one of the parallels that you're seeing here is the holiest of holies under the Mosaic temple, the temple that was established in the wilderness. The priest could only go into the the holiest of holies one time and a year and, and, and there he and he had to be perfect when he went in otherwise he would die okay and he would offer blood sacrifice upon upon the altar upon the ark of the covenant rather uh, he would sprinkle blood there for the sins of the of the Hebrew people and this is a type and shadow of that let's go to verse 23 he says let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised the word that I just gave somebody please understand he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works now have you ever been provoked by somebody it's usually not provoked by to love They provoke me. Well, this is a little this is a little d different usage of the word provoke. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Boy, what a relevant scripture for today. What a relevant scripture. Do you want this spirit of revival that we have been experiencing? Um, we, have to, we have to realize that there has been just something so deep in our services do you want this spirit of revival that we've been experiencing to continue in our church as well in our lives? And I feel like we all would answer in the affirmative on that. But I want to talk to us about real presence versus manufactured presence. Let me explain. Let me explain what I mean by real presence and manufactured presence. Real presence is when God is here and you know he is here and great things are happening around us we feel him we see the effects on the faces of people we 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 feel it in the worship we feel it in the atmosphere and it's just we know he is here manufactured presence however is when we make it happen you say brother bruce can we do that oh yes we can we can make it happen both in church as well as, as in our lives because sometimes we can, we can quote unquote live the life on the outside but nobody sees the inside okay and so we look like brother and sister Pentecostal apostolic whatever you want to call Christian on the outside, but the inside is is the part that nobody sees. And people will tell you, oh, I just love being around you. I feel God when I'm around you. We know inside, well, it's, I don't know how it is because inside I'm not right. We can do that. We can manufacture the presence of God in a service we know how and I'm probably getting into myself here that's alright but we know how to have church y'all we know exactly you know I've done this long enough um, the secular world does it um, being a I hate to use the word performer as a singer, being a Christian performer, doing concerts, you know when you put emphasis on certain words that you're able to motivate your congregation. Secular artists do the same identical thing. We do it with music. We do it with lights. We do it with, you know, when I was a kid and I was born, my daddy was a pastor whenever I was born. My first record of church was my daddy being the being the band and daddy played the guitar now daddy didn't play beautifully on the guitar daddy strummed the guitar that's all daddy could do but daddy was the band and daddy didn't get together to practice and he, they didn't have praise singer or choir practice we opened the hymnal and we sung by letter 
we opened our mouth and let her fly. That's, that's the way we did it. And, and I've seen God take over in song service. I've seen God take over in testimony service. I've seen God take over in so many different places. It wasn't polished. We didn't have stage lighting and we didn't have cameras and, and internet and, and all of those things that we have now. And when we move into this, move back into this auditorium, I mean, there's going to be stage lighting. There's going to be a, a great sound system, things that have to be updated. Uh, we're going and we could really just put you on a good show. And everybody can walk out of here because, hey, we got some talent in this church. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> we got singers. We got singers that a lot of churches would die for. And uh, so, you know, we could put you on a show, but that's manufactured presence. If the only thing that moves you is the fact that the lights are doing something and the music is doing something all at the same time, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. Scripture says, play skillfully. Okay? What does that really mean? That means practice and get it right. Give your best to the Lord. Whatever the technology of that day is, give it your best. Boy, I would love to have been around whenever David brought the Ark of the Covenant back home. Boy, I, don't, I mean, they had trumpet players. They had, I mean, they had everything out there. And then not only that, once they got the Ark back home, 24 hours around the clock, they had they had music going just entertaining the presence of God so there's nothing wrong with practice and there's nothing wrong with being the best that we can be but let's don't depend on our practice to bring the presence of God in what brings the presence of God is what we're really going to talk about here tonight and it's what happens in our hearts let's face it and be transparent we know how to have church and that's very dangerous. If we're not careful, we could be guilty of having good church and God not even being here. It can happen. And, uh, and I guess that's why I feel like I really want to say this tonight. We have talent, as I already said. We have ability. However, when flesh is lifted up, listen to this, when flesh is lifted up, spirit is shut down. hear what I just said when when flesh is lifted up spirit is shut down John said in John 30 330 he said and this was John the Baptist he, he made the statement he must increase but I must decrease that's I've got to do that if we're ever going to allow the presence of God to be what the presence of God wants to be in a service, there has to be less of us. You say, well, Brother Bruce, how can it be less of us? Well, the, be the best thing we can do is if you're the one up here holding the microphone and you're singing, then don't sing to the congregation. Sing to them. Whenever Don and I were involved with 
with March for Jesus, and some of y'all were too at that same time. There was a there was a phrase, let me see if I can get it right. Some of you may have to help me with this. But we were the audience because it happened in every time zone, all on the same day. So it said we were the audience. Yeah, audience of millions. That's right. For the audience of one. We were millions for the audience of one. We were a million performers performing for the audience of one. Him. It's all about him. Keith has said it several times. God's got this thing. He just thinks church is about him. And it really is. It is. I mean, if, if we come in here doing anything else, then it's, and if it's about us, then he's going out the door. And he'll let us have our own flesh party. But when it's about him, miraculous things begin to take place. And that's what we come for. When mine and your flesh become exalted in what we can do, then he will let us do it. I, I often I often think about that. Um, when my flesh becomes exalted in who, who I am, then just go ahead and get ready for it. God's not working in my life. The same thing happens to you. Remember, and I've said this many times, the kingdom of God is totally opposite, opposite to what we think. The last is first, the least is the greatest. These are things that that we, that we think about uh, so often. So we have to understand God's not interested in helping us build our kingdom. We were created for one purpose. It's for Him. We offer to Him praise. We partner with Him in building His kingdom. And it's so hard for us so often to, to think of a, in, in a kingdom mindset because we are born in a free society a democratic society where we have a voice in our democratic society and we can go to the voting uh, booth and we can cast our vote and determine who's going to be uh, president, governor, or whatever I mean it's, it's, it's the vote of the people that's a democratic process you and I are in a kingdom and a kingdom has a king and he has the last word. The difference is, is we can trust our king more than any people can trust an earthly king. Because our king, everything our king does, he does it for our good. And it's for us alone that he has done what he, do, he does. In fact, he has nothing to do except to do for us. We are his prize creation passionate steadfast humility is the recipe to his presence that's worth writing down if you want to write something down passionate steadfast humility is the recipe to his presence humility before him I, you know what God really doesn't I, I, we have this conversation Don and I have this conversation often 
I mean, I think about it like this. I die of a heart attack tonight. Y'all have church Sunday. I mean, I, I'm the pastor. I, you would think, maybe not. You know, I mean, goodness, you're the pastor. No, you'll have church Sunday. If I die, you better have church. I'll come back and haunt the whole mess of you. And say, you better have church because this is not about me. We are not that important. He is important. Everything we do, we do it for him, and we do it because of him. It, you know, the remodel that we're going into here in, in the next few days, Brother Kevin ca came to me um, Friday of last week. He said, we need to talk. I said, okay. Could, well, no, that's when we met, but I mean, he... he came to me and he said I have found mistakes in our plans there was a nine foot mistake in our plans and uh, and I'm talking about in length and so Monday we had the architect here we had the, the seating contractor here we had everybody here that that nine foot affects And the only thing I could really do in my heart was to say, God, this is not about us. This is about you. This is not our house. This is your house. Help us to work this out. And yes, the mistake was there and the mistake is real. But you know what? We got it worked out. Everything's going to be okay. Now we're, we're going to lose some seats, but we're still going to have more seats than we have now. But I thought, there, I thought there for a while we were going to be around 280 seats. Well, we were going to be a little less than that now. But it's still more seats than we have at the present. And that was what I was, fear, being, I was fearful of. Is Lord, I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forward. This is your house. This is, this is not about what I want or what I think we need or anything. This is your house. God always works things out. He always does. There's no doubt of God's goodness to us as his people. This is what Moses declared unto the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says, For what nation is there so great, listen, who hath God so nigh unto them, and do we ever have God nigh unto as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. Now, I know I talked in the middle of that, so for continuity's sake. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? There is not a prayer that you will pray, whether he answers it or he doesn't answer it. There is not a prayer you pray that he will not hear. No, I didn't say that the angels will hear. I said that he will hear. Yes, there's eight billion of us, and if we all prayed at the same time, our God is big enough to individually hear every prayer. I think we've, we fail to think about that sometimes. We walk into a service and there's... 150 of us in here, maybe a little less, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
and we think, how can God hear all of us at the same time? Well, our little finite minds cannot comprehend that. Our finite minds cannot comprehend the infinite. Our God can hear all 8 billion of us on the face of this earth at the same time if that would be needful. But here's the other side of that. He is aware of all 8 billion of us and he knows exactly what all 8 billion of us are doing at the same time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. He's very aware. He knows us by name. So for what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them? As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. We're talking about real presence here tonight. I want his real presence in everything that we do. I want his real presence in everything that I do. I want his real presence in, every, in, in mine and Donna's home. I was not, I'd taken all the bed I could take at about 3.30 this morning. And I worked my way out of the bed closed the bedroom door where I wouldn't disturb her and got my coffee pot going and, and from 3.30 till she got up 6.30, quarter to 7 whatever time she got up it was just me and God I love the fourth watch if you're not in the habit of, of at least a few times a week of getting up somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. and spending time with God. It's just a wonderful time to be with Him. One of these days we'll teach on the fourth watch. But I was listening to a song that Donna is wanting me to learn. And just the presence of God just began to just, it was like, it, it, it was like, it was almost like the second chapter of Acts and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And I, I could almost feel his presence as it rushed in the room and my hands, sitting there with my headphones on where I, she wouldn't be disturbed. I'm sitting there with my headphones on and, and my eyes are crossing, you know, it's so loud. But my hands are in the air and, and his presence was so tangible in that living room. There was nothing that I did that brought that presence in other than my heart just yearned for him. And you know what? When your heart yearns for him, he shows up. From the beginning of time, God has desired to have a people that was his. He, 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 he chose the Hebrew people and, and he says, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. He always wanted a group of people that was his. And because Israel failed, the Hebrew people failed him so many times, what, what happened in the New Testament, he grafted us in. We have the same rights as the quote-unquote chosen people, the Hebrew people. Those that are filled with his spirit have the same rights. We have the same kindredship with him. He has invested in us. He has invested presence in us. When you receive his spirit, you are receiving his presence. Am I making sense to you? Well, give me a good Pentecostal amen every now and then. It just feels better. 
<laughs> God's always desired to have a people that was set apart that was just for him. He was not, it was not only his desire, it was his divine plan that there would be a people called after his name. I'm proud of the Maxwell name. I'm proud of my Maxwell heritage. And I'm not going back into all of that. As you know, my history is loaded with preachers. I mean, just all the way back. I'm proud of that very proud of that but God has always desired to have a people that was his that was called by his name when we are called by his name that means we are doing what it is that he wants us to do now we can say that we're his but if we are not doing what makes us his then I have to ask us, are we really his? Are we really being called by his name? Proverbs chapter 13 says this, and I read it from the NIV. It says, the sluggardly craves and gets nothing. But the desires are the, of the diligent are fully satisfied. When we are his, he will fully satisfy us. Well then, Brother Bruce, why am I going through what I'm going through? I can't answer that. I'm not him. All I do know is this book tells me that all things eventually work together for my good if I keep my faith in him. And I know some of you are going through some things and you're saying, well, I don't see how he's going to get any good out of this. No, right now you probably won't. But he does. And maybe it's not for him. Maybe what you're going through is for you. Maybe what you're, the, the valley you're walking through is just a way for you to identify and for you to find out things about him that you never knew. I will be honest with you. It's been through trials and circumstances that I had no control over that I learned more about God than I did from listening to, to preachers preach about it. It was through trials that, I mean, I got to intimately know him. So the sluggardly craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the, of the diligent are fully satisfied. Now, he didn't say he would answer everything the way we wanted it. But when the sum total of life is done, the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. There's a difference there between getting everything you want and being satisfied. But in order to be his and to acquire his favor, we must abide by his will and by his plan. The psalmist David understood this when he penned Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4. And he said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Then he answers his own question. He says, He that hath clean hands 
and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. I've had people tell me whenever I would talk to them about their soul and they would say, well, Pastor, I, 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 I'm going to live for the Lord someday. But right now, there's just some things I want to do. I've really never understood that concept. Maybe it's because I've not experienced some of the things that are in the world. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's more pleasure out there than I, than I realize. But when I know better, when I know what it could cost me, when I know that I'm playing Russian roulette with my soul, there's things that I want to do. I may not make it through that. And if I don't make it through whatever it is that I'm wanting to do and I, and I lose my life, what I have done in this life is what I'm going to be judged for. I'm not going to be judged for the fact that someday I might want to live for God. I'm going to be judged for what I did. Real presence only comes to those in whom true repentance dwells and where abides sincere humility. I need to read that again. I want you to catch it. Real presence, remember we're talking real presence versus manufactured presence. Real presence only comes to those in whom true repentance dwells and where abides sincere humility. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. I said this just a few weeks ago. He's also the one that says, live perfectly. He gave, he gave a command in Scripture for us to live perfectly. Jesus even said for us to live perfectly. But Paul said, I die daily because I'm flesh and I know there are things about me that just sometimes don't add up and what if I did something today that I'm not even aware of so I want to die every day and make sure that as our little prayer when we were children if I should die before I wake pray the Lord my soul Listen to the psalmist David again from one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love this. I love Psalms 91 so much that those first two verses, I put music to them a good many years ago. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Let's don't read over that too fast. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. You say, where's the secret place? There's the secret place right there. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. The secret place is I cannot do this on my own. The secret place is where I am totally dependent upon him. That's the secret place. 
I can't walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I can't get through the valley without him. If I'm going to be in the secret place, and if I'm going to dwell in the secret place, then I have to be there totally dependent upon him. See, that's another thing that's contrary to our human nature. I'm proud to watch Keith and Michael make good decisions. They don't need me anymore. They're, they don't need me and Donna anymore. They're, they're making great decisions. They don't need my advice. The Lord never wanted us to reach that place with him. He never wanted us to get to the place we did not need him. We need him in everything that we do. We're talking about real presence versus manufactured presence. Manufactured presence says that I got this. Don't need you to handle this, God. I got it. Now, there have been several times in my life where I've told him, I got this. Don't you worry about it. Because I knew the way I wanted to handle it, he wasn't pleased with. Verse 3. Oh, goodness. Did y'all speed that clock up? Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Boy, that's good. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be what? His truth. Not your know-how. Thou shalt not be afraid. Somebody hear me. That's walking through something right now that's just scary as all get out. He says, Thou shalt not be afraid. For the terror by night, nor for the error that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence, that walketh in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. See, when we read that, we're thinking about murderers and, and you know things that's out. No, what what about when the doctor says you got six months? What about when the doctor tells you you got cancer? When, the, when you walk into the job this morning or in the morning and they're standing there saying, uh, we hate to inform you, but we've got to let you go and you're only just a few years away from retirement. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about real pestilence and he's not talking about real arrows that, that are flying. He's talking about the things that hit us blindsided. We didn't see it coming. We didn't know it was there. But that's why I dwell in the secret place. I don't know. I'm not going to get through. A thousand shall fall. I think verse 7 is where I am. Yeah. 
A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. In other words, there's things that are going to happen. It's going to affect a lot of people. But I'm going to take care of my own. That's what he's saying. Those that have made me their God, and I have declared them as my people. There may be many that will be affected, but I will take care of my own. But it requires us having real presence of God in our life. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. See, that's another one thing, another one we have a problem with. Because all of a sudden we get a bad report. And it said, There shall be no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And we say, well, God, why? Where? He didn't promise us a rose garden. He says that man is born of woman in a few days and full of trouble. But he says, I will be your God. And if you will dwell in the secret place, I will take care of you. I'm going to get you through life's difficulties. He says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. I mean, that right there tells you you're going to have some stuff. If he's going to give his angels charge over us to keep thee in all of thy ways, because you're going to stump your toe. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You're going to have things that are going to happen, but we need real presence in our life. I don't need manufactured presence that says, well, I'm good enough, I've dressed right, I've do my hair right, I don't do this, I don't do that, I, I fast, I give tithes and offerings, I do all... But what about your heart? Is your heart his? Or is your heart still yours? Or mine? That's the difference. I need real presence. I don't need manufactured presence. I don't need a list, a list of rules to check off to make sure that I am right with him. I need to be right with him and then my rules will be checked off. I'm not saying rules are not important. I'm just saying that I need to be right with him first. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against stone. 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. That is not talking about a real lion. That's talking about life's difficulties. That's what he's saying. Now the Lord's talking. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. In other words, what he said, because you have... You have said in your heart, I will love him and I will live for him. Then he is saying, therefore will I deliver him. And I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall come upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalms 91 is as true in its meaning 
as it is true that you're sitting here listening to this right now. What does this have to do with real presence versus manufactured presence? Simply this. If we want him to be real with us, we have to be real with him. Okay? If we want him to be real with us, we have to be real with him. He has principles that he has laid down and we're to abide by them just as we give rules to our children for their benefit. He has rules for us for our benefit. If our children refuse to obey, then they have to deal with it. If we refuse to obey God's principles and precepts, then we must suffer the consequences. Listen to this. When our passion is for the real, genuine presence of God, then what we receive is the real, genuine presence of God. The psalmist said this, One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. No, he is not talking about you living here at the church. He's talking about living in his presence. Real presence, not manufactured presence. Living in his presence. I have to ask us, dwelling in his presence important to us I have to ask myself that question is is living in his presence really important to me then I have to live that way do you sincerely desire to be in his house or to be in his presence yes I think we do I don't have time for the rest of it there's still some good stuff here but it's nothing I've never said before. I want to be in the presence of the Almighty God. I want to have the right to look at Him and say, Lord, I, I trust that you receive me for I, have, I think I have been faithful. And if I've not been faithful, then open my eyes and let me see where I'm lacking. You say, Brother Bruce, are you you trying to be um, convince the Lord of of your rightness? No, I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm trying probably more to convince myself that I'm, I've checked all my boxes. I am hungry for him. I am thirsty for him. And he says if we would hunger and thirst after It's up to us if we want the real presence in our life or if we want manufactured presence. But here's here's what's going to keep real presence. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm done. Here's what's going to keep real presence in mind in your life. And that's a prayer life humble before him fasting prayer fasting is not to get him to move we'll we'll talk about that too sometime fasting is not to get him to move fasting humbles us breaks us down that's what fasting is for 
fasting checks our motives. It checks checks our agendas. We realize we're not in control. He's in control. That's a love Bible study. That's what keeps real presence. Fasting, prayer, the Word of God, and seeking after Him with all with a hungry heart. If you will abide in me, I will abide in you. That's just as real as as real can get. We're going to we're going to have a we move back into our auditorium. It will be state of the art. And you say, well, Brother Bruce, is that really necessary? Let me just say this. If you go buy a brand new car, or you get a used one. And Scott's here, he knows the car industry. One of the first things people are going to do is turn the radio on, see what kind of sound system it's got in it. They want it to sound good. Well, when people walk into church, they want it to sound good. They want it to feel good. And we will have lights, and we'll have good music, and we'll have all of Donna's already looking into ways to make things better for us, and music is concerned, and, and all of that going to be but unless we are praying and fasting and seeking the face of God wanting real presence in our life we are creating sounding brass and tinkling cymbals and no one will be blessed because of it my desire is and every Sunday morning when we gather as men to pray one of the things I pray is God when people drive up on that parking lot when their feet touch the asphalt, let them feel the presence of God. Not wait until we get in here and crank the music up. And... Okay. 8.02, it's time for me to quit. Two minutes after. Time to quit. Father, I give you thanks. Whew. Thank you for your presence that I do feel right now. Mm. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. You're in our midst. You're here among us. I feel you in this place. And I just pray your blessings upon every family, upon every individual that, that is here. But really, outside of that, I just give you honor and I give you glory. Because you have come to be with us in our service tonight. Yes, we came to be with you, but you came to be with us and we give honor and we give glory to your name and we thank you for your love and we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your grace. And we just give praise to the name of the Lord tonight. Now I ask you to go with us from this place, every individual, every family. I just pray your peace upon us. I pray that you will be with the Hicks family tomorrow as they... As they uh, as they go through the funeral service with Brother Cheryl. I just pray your blessings and your peace upon them. There are families in our church, God, that are hurting. Please be aware of them. Please touch them. Please strengthen them. Please lift them up. We want your presence because we cannot make it without you. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand praise and then we'll be dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.